Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. You're listening to The Hidden Truth Show with Jim Breslow. Find us at hiddentruthshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hidden Truth Show. Watch our YouTube channel, Hidden Truth Show. Subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Here's Jim Breslow. Welcome back to this week's episode of Hidden Truth Transgender Movement. This is going to be our last full episode in our deep dive into the transgender movement. And we think we saved the best for last. We have on the show today Mother Jillian Clee, the Episcopal transgender priest that has a special twist in the middle of the episode. Uh, Before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, something that just came down last month. You may remember our guest, Dr. Cora Bruner, and she talked about the fact that the American Academy of Pediatricians was about to be issuing some guidance as it pertains to the treatment of transgender children. Well, that has been issued. It's in the Journal of Pediatrics, uh, the October 2018 Uh, edition from the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it's a policy statement. And I'll be addressing this policy statement in detail in our closing episode next week. I'm going to provide my closing thoughts on all of the key issues that we've been looking into in the transgender movement as the final episode next week. And I think it comes at a very timely uh, uh, period because this policy statement has just been issued. So this is the definitive statement from the largest pediatric association in America as to how trans children should be handled. And it's entitled Ensuring Comprehensive Care and Support for for Transgender and Gender Diverse Children and Adolescents. It comes from the Committee on Psychosocial Aspects of Child and Family Health, Committee on the Adolescents, sorry, Committee on Adolescents, section on lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender health and wellness. And Dr. Cora Bruner is one of the members of this committee. I'll be talking about this next week, but I found it very interesting that the first conclusion of this committee is that any discrimination based on gender identity or expression, real or perceived, is damaging to the social, socio-emotional health of children. So, their primary conclusion relates to discrimination, not to treatment, but to discrimination. It's very clear in this policy statement that their primary concern is the stigma associated with being transgender. That's something we've been talking about on the show and how this desire to reduce stigma seems to be overcoming science. The other thing I just want to note, and you can take a look at this policy statement, uh, you can just Google it, uh, AAP policy statement on transgender. Their first recommendation is that youth, it doesn't matter what age the youth is, but youth who identify as transgender have access to comprehensive, gender-affirming, and developmentally appropriate health care. 
they describe what gender affirming means. Gender affirming means transitioning to the opposite sex. So the number one objective for a child who is expressing gender dysphoria is to immediately start transitioning that child to the opposite sex. That is not consistent with many uh, experts that we've spoken to on this show, but we know that it's the position of Dr. Cora Bruner, and it's now the official position of the largest medical association dealing with the treatment of children. So tune in next week as I address that statement and give my final thoughts on everything we've learned in our deep dive. We're going to be moving on to our next deep dive very soon. It's going to be into AA and the 12-step program. We're going to be investigating the 12-step program to see is it really serving people as it should or is it letting down hundreds of thousands of people who leave AA as addicts. The issue of addiction in America is a huge problem today. Everyone seems to think that the solution is the 12-step program. We're not so sure about that. Okay, let's get to our guest, Mother Jillian Clee. She's an Episcopal priest. She's been a priest for many, many years, but she's always suffered from depression and so forth. And it turns out that he, who was married for about 20 years, was feeling like becoming a woman and ultimately did transition to being a woman, has retained her marriage, and has now re-engaged at the Constant Abbey, Constance Abbey, where she is serving as the chaplain there, and she's counseling guests there. In fact, she runs now a 30-minute course on human sexuality for the Abbey's guests. We're going to start the interview with the young gentleman that helped arrange this interview for us. He is her assistant. His name is Reed. And we started by getting everything set up with the video and the audio with Reed. And you'll see Reed make another appearance. Good-looking kid, by the way. And you can check it out on YouTube. But Reed is going to make another appearance in the middle of the episode. And it's pretty shocking and surprising the turn that our discussion takes when Reed, who you'll hear at the beginning of this episode, re-enters the discussion. So let's pick it up there with our interview with Mother Jillian Clee, the transgender priest. All right, sounds good. So are you ready for, uh, for her to take the spotlight, for her uh, to take the seat? Let's, if she is, we are. All right. Yeah, I think that she's ready to go. I'll step out and let her uh, take the chair. Thank you, Reed. Yeah, no problem. Uh, all right. There she is. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that, that uniform's looking official. <laughs> that you're, I'll be right here off screen. I'll just be an on-demand technician if okay. you all need. So Jillian, we've been, uh, I, as I said, we've been about 15 weeks into transgender movement interviewing uh, experts and, and transgender people, et cetera. And, and, uh, but I, I do have to say you're our first transgender priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are, are there other transgender priests that, that uh, you're aware of? Yes, Gwen Fry in the Diocese of Arkansas. Okay. That is a woman who became a transgendered man? No, it's a man who became a transgender woman. Uh-huh. And, and when did that take place? Oh. Uh, is that before or after you, in other words? After me. Okay. Any others that you know of? No, well, on the West Coast. 
Okay. So, so you're, are you part of the Episcopal Church? Yes, I am. And what is the name of the church that you're now affiliated with? Uh, it's just Constance Abbey. Okay. And obviously then female priests are permitted in the Episcopalian faith. Yes. So I come from the Catholic faith, faith and uh, they kind of frown upon that. Uh, well, they frown on women priests. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a gender woman would be double... Um, you would think, who knows? I don't know if it's been run up the flagpole of the Vatican yet. So why don't we start there by talking about the differences between the Catholic Church and the Episcopalian Church in that, you know, why is it that one church allows women to be priests and the other does not? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, um, of course, Henry VIII separated the Church of England from, from Rome. Uh, he wanted to be a Catholic without the Pope to tell him what to do. Uh, really, uh, the Anglican Communion didn't really get started until Elizabeth I, uh, the Elizabethan settlement, uh, set out the rules. First of all, we got the liturgy straight, and then later on, toward the end of Elizabeth's reign, we started talking about doctrine. Um, after the uh, American Revolution, uh, Anglicans in America were uh, had a real problem uh, because uh, we didn't have any bishops until we sent uh, Samuel Seabury over to uh, be ordained uh, in Canterbury. And they wouldn't do it because he couldn't swear allegiance to the King of England. So he went north to Scotland and uh, they ordained him because they don't swear allegiance to the King of England. The Scottish Episcopal Church does not. Uh, so we've been kind of independent since then. We, are, we consider ourselves both Catholic and Protestant. So originally, Church of England was created in response to uh, a break from Rome, and then Episcopalian was started as essentially a break from Church of England? Well, yes. Now we're, we're all part of one Anglican communion with Canterbury at the head, uh, but, you know, some archbishops are more influential than others. Some have been saints, others not. So what, and then what about the issue of female priests? Was that always permitted as part of the Episcopalian Church? No, it wasn't. 
that happened in the 70s when the first women were ordained. Uh, and since then, we've had women bishops, and uh, Tennessee is probably about to have another woman bishop. So when we look to the Bible, what is it that the Catholics point to to say that a priest should be a man only? Uh, you know, I'm not very clear on that uh, because I'm not Roman Catholic. So you're not really sure what the justification is. We know that, of course, all the apostles were male. That's right. Uh, even though we had some very strong women in the New Testament, uh, none of the apostles were male. Well, Mary Magdalene in the Eastern Church is referred to the as the apostle to the apostles. Mm -hmm. So uh, when uh, did you join the church? Or when did you become a priest initially? Uh, I became a priest in 1984. And is this something that has been a lifelong calling for you? Yes. Uh, ministry is a lifelong calling, and I've always valued the Eucharist very highly. What did you—did you have any careers prior to becoming a priest? Let's see. I've been an actor, a potter, uh, a Baptist minister, and now a priest. Oh, so you were originally with the Baptist Church? Yes, I grew up in the Baptist Church. Mm. Why, uh, explain that switch. Well, uh, when I graduated from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, there was a fundamentalist takeover of the convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and they started uh, cracking down on priests that they thought, uh, preachers they thought were liberal. And I didn't see a future in that for me. So I started looking around and uh, the Presbyterians wanted me to go back to school and study Calvin. Uh, sounded like the Episcopal Church would be a better place for me. What were the liberal views that they were objecting to? Uh, well, for them, uh, if you didn't accept the Bible as uh, infallible, uh, the infallible word of God, uh, you were a liberal. <laughs> um, and they're more legalistic in many ways than Judaism. Mm. But are you saying that the Episcopalians don't necessarily see it as the infallible uh, word of God? It is the word of God. Um, it... Um, but interpretation is up to the believer and uh, the statements of faith in the back of our prayer book. What about the other big distinction uh, when it comes to priests, which is marriage? You know, of course, Catholic Church, priests can't be married. Episcopalian, 
they can be. Yes. Was was that also a a fairly recent change? Uh, No, that's been the case for a long time. And what are we looking at in the Bible there as far as where the Catholics are hanging their hat on to say that priests shouldn't get married? Do you know? Well, um, Peter, uh, Peter and carried his wife with him on his journeys. Um, I think it came out of uh, monasticism, mm-hmm. uh, which people living in community were celibate. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that rule, by the way? I, you know, we've got all these problems in the Catholic Church Absolutely. With, with the boys and so on. Um do you think that allowing priests to marry is something that the Catholic Church really needs to be looking at? They need to be looking at it, yes. Because? Well, because uh, grabbing uh, young people early in life and putting them on the track to be a, to be a priest may not fully allow them to grow up and uh, be uh, true to their vows because they weren't really mature when they had to take them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they take a vow of celibacy and a vow not to be married. And what you're saying is a lot of boys are going from high school into college and seminary and right out into priesthood without really having uh, found themselves. That's the way I see it. Uh-huh. And I don't know how much you pay attention to this, but are you sensing that there is some movement at all in that regard with the Catholic Church? Well, there certainly are some Catholics who agree uh, that... Uh, that married priesthood should be looked into, and uh, women priests. And, and when did you get married? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I got married at age 44, uh, and I'm still married. So th- this was after you had become a priest? Yes. I see. And that was your first marriage? Yes, it is my first marriage. Uh, you're, you're very wise. <laughs> you, you waited to a reasonable age. Other, yes. other, others of us uh, rushed into it at a little bit younger age and, and uh, didn't work out so well. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I, I, I survived, but... Uh, um, so at 44, uh, you got married, and you transitioned to becoming a trans woman how long ago? Uh, 2010. And is this something that for you, you've lived with your whole life? It seems that most of the transgender people that we've 
oh, interviewed yes. it felt like they they felt it at a very young age yes i did your your earliest memories essentially yes wow and did you act on them in in some ways as a child not really no did you talk to anybody about it um Let's see, when I was 30, I went to see a psychiatrist who felt that trans, that people who wanted to be, that men who wanted to be women were really just gay men who couldn't face being gay. So he was, he had no understanding of the condition. And at that time, were most of your romantic relationships with men or with women? With women. But you were having trans feelings? Yes. Would you say that you were also having gay feelings? No. Really just, so no desire really to be with other men, really, but a desire to be a woman? Yes. And, but really, the first time you openly discussed this with anyone was with a psychiatrist when you were 30? Yes. Wow. Tell us what that was like to live with this secret all this time. Well, what I got convinced of by the psychiatrist was that there was, wasn't any help for me out there. So I just have to tough it out. And I tried to do that for all those years till 2010 when the depression took over and I was convinced that if I didn't do something about these feelings uh, then I probably wouldn't make it through the next year. You were having suicidal thoughts? Yes. Is that the first time that you would have those? No, I had them when I was 30. That's what took me to the psychiatrist in the first place. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I became an Episcopalian, uh, the depressions came every Lent. Um, so the period of, we should explain for everyone, the period of Lent is uh, what begins in mid-February, right? Yes. It's 40 days. Um, and... Um, yeah, you're going to have to help me. Despite my Catholic upbringing, it, it's a little fuzzy for me, but I know there's 40 days where I'm supposed to give up ice cream. Uh, well, yeah, it's the time when Christians think about the changes they need to make in their life and uh, think about uh, how they haven't lived up to what is expected of us as Christians. But let me ask you, had you been acting out on these trans feelings at all? Not really. I, I mean, will you suppress them? Suppress them. What what about even, you know, dr dressing as a woman in private? Um not until I started seeing the therapist um in 2010. Mhm. Mm so th this was really, you were feeling sinful, is that the right word to use, during, during Lent? No. Oh. For having these, these thoughts? That's correct. Wow, that just must have been torture. 
It was. So what what and, and what would you do in particular during Lent, if anything? Oh, I'd be depressed. I have these thoughts I couldn't control, and uh, feeling like my body was wrong. Is there any connection between those feelings and the fact that you decided to become a priest? I don't think so. So to- totally unrelated. It wasn't as if, um, you know, gee, if I could perhaps become a priest, maybe these feelings will go away, or if I become closer to God, or I'll feel better about myself. No, no connection in that regard? Well, I think you always feel like um, that going through the process, going to seminary and um, going through the orders is... Uh, is going to bring you closer to God. And did you feel a, a special need to be close to God because of these sinful thoughts? Yes. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, obviously, whether or not you became closer to him or not, it didn't help suppress those thoughts. No. What do you think is the source of those thoughts? Well, I think uh, because the thoughts always in, came in Lent, I think I was meant to transition. But when you say meant to, what do you mean by meant to? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I feel like it was God's will. Is, and is that basically your feeling generally about transgendered people? Is, is that, for whatever reason, it was God's we're will? Different. No, Pardon? we're all different. Hmm. Okay, so uh, why, why for you do you say you think it was God's will? Oh, uh, well, it had to do with a vision I had uh, after I had started living full-time as a woman. Wow. Please tell us about that. Okay. I was at a centering prayer workshop at the church I was attending then. I had retired in 2010. Uh, And uh, all of a sudden it seemed like the back wall of the chapel was just engulfed in a great white light. And I saw eyes in the, the light looking at me. And I saw the hands with the mark of the nails in them. And a voice said, you are my daughter. Uh, 
I was weeping so much I had to leave the meeting at that point rather than disturb other people who were trying to meditate. So this was in church during deep meditation? Yes. And the voice was the voice of? I felt like it was the voice of Jesus. And how did that make you feel to have that experience? Uh, it was extremely affirming. I mean, was that, it sounds like that was a day that's, you'll never forget the feelings before that day and after that day. That's true. And now you feel really that you can live in, in, in peace with, with, with God and in yourself after that experience? Oh, uh, some days are better than others, but I do feel generally closer to God. Well, God is supposedly loves each and every one of us. Absolutely. Unconditionally, right? Absolutely. So what do you say to people who say God made you as a man, you're destroying God's creation by, by changing that? Oh, God made the mind as well as the body. And um, I think there's good evidence now that um, the way the brain responds to testosterone in the womb has a whole lot to do with your sense of yourself as male or female. Is that what you believe may have been the, the, the case with you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything, because yeah, you know, we're, we're certainly on the journey we've been on, I've been very interested in what causes it. It's, it's, it's also very interesting to me that half of the transgender people I speak to aren't interested in knowing what the cause is. They, 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 they just know this is the way they are, and, and what caused it doesn't concern them. Um, Sabrina, who was my first interview, my fraternity brother who became my sister, she, she believes she was born with a female spirit, even though she was in a male body. So everyone has a different view, but, but this, I've definitely heard this theory before that uh, something could happen in the womb regarding testosterone uh, levels not being appropriate or what have you in the uh, fetus. Yes. But do you, do you have some particular reason to believe that when it comes to you? Something that you know about your, your, your mother's pregnancy? Uh, no. I don't really have... She didn't talk about her pregnancy much. Tell me about your parents. Were they together for your whole childhood and with you? My father died when I was 12. Mother died about five years ago. And what kind of upbringing was it? I presume it was a religious household? Uh, yes, they both went to the Baptist church. And took you? Yes. And did you feel I, like it was this a strict uh, Baptist upbringing? Partially yes and partially no. 
uh, Prescott Church in Memphis was the first Southern Baptist church to integrate, to have a black member. Uh, and it was also the first Southern Baptist church to call a woman as minister. Mm. How and did that, your parents... Convention. How did your parents feel about those two things? Uh, mother was very involved in... Uh, the process of change in that church. And, uh, his father was already dead before it happened. It was your dad, the type that, uh, you could ever feel comfortable, say coming out to, uh, with something like this, with these type of feelings. I don't think so. How, how was your relationship with your father? He was great, but, um, he wasn't home very much. Um, I remember uh, when he was selling insurance, uh, he wasn't very happy. And um, then he got talked into managing a sundry store owned by his mother and stepfather. And that didn't work out well at all. But he was, he would get in about 10 o'clock at night and mother would let me stay up so I could talk to him mm. and uh, have time with him. Mm -hmm. Because that is another theory that we've heard and had guests on who've explored that they believe that childhood trauma, which could also be unmet needs, a child's unmet needs at a very, very young age can also be something that leads to gender dysphoria. Have you heard that theory? I have. How do you feel about that? Um, I tend to go with the brain theory, um, but um, I can certainly see how that might affect. Uh, I had encephalitis when I was about four years old and separated from uh, my parents because initially I was misdiagnosed as having polio and I was in an isolation hospital mm. uh, for a month or so. And uh, it, um, I'm still dealing with uh, PTSD from some, from that and some of my other childhood experiences. And my father's death uh, was a traumatic thing. Mm -hmm. And, and w w what other PTSD uh, experiences did you have as a child? With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Um, my father was very attached to his mother. Uh, unfortunately, she was extremely dysfunctional, 
In fact, at one point in her life, she'd been diagnosed as a schizophrenic. Um, but um, she was a binge drinker. And when she would get drunk, she would call people up at midnight. And that's what she did to my father uh, for the last two weeks of his life. And uh, finally, he told her that uh, he guessed he didn't have a mother anymore and to stop calling. And a week later, he had his heart attack and died at 39 years old. Have you sought counseling uh, for this PTSD? Uh, I have just recently. Mm. Right after I transitioned, I felt like, well, this is a new start, a fresh start. And uh, just put everything that had happened in my childhood on the back burner. And then last year it came up to bite me. And uh, I've had to deal with it. Uh, meaning what? That you started feeling depression again? Yes. And uh, I went to see uh, another psychologist in Memphis, as well as the one who diagnosed me in the first place in St. Louis. The one who diagnosed you and basically suggested that uh, you should transition. Yeah. And, and now, what was this psychiatrist saying? The one in St. Louis? Yes. Uh, Dr. Bernie. Patricia Egan Bernie. Mm -hmm. And she'd been dealing with transition, transgender issues for 20 years. And uh, she was a great help. And she directed me after three months of therapy, which was required at the time, uh, to uh, her, to the endocrinologist she works with, also in St. Louis. So you, it, it, after your transition, did that get rid of the depression at least for a uh, for a time period? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. Des describe how you were feeling. I felt like I had a fresh start, and. Uh, Before, I felt that nothing I did was enough. Um, when I got my doctorate at General, I was standing there, and my classmates were um, applauding me, and I felt great, but a voice inside my head kept saying, it's not enough. And now... And suddenly afterwards, things were enough. Hmm. What do you think that feeling was? Is that something as far as perhaps approval? When you say not enough, that sounds to me as if someone who's needing approval. I did. Um, you know, I had worked hard for my degree, um, taken years to write the dissertation. And I had and was accepted. Here I was at graduation, 
getting the doctorate. Is that something you think that goes back to your father and him perhaps not giving you enough approval as a child? I think the one whose disapproval I felt most was my mother. Mm. Is that something you've since reconciled in your head? Yes. What, What do you think that stemmed from? Um, she was always uh, intimidated by her mother, who was uh, was sort of old South um, in her upbringing, and uh, she was always looking at what I did as a reflection of her. Um, how would her mother feel if? She found out what I was doing. If she found out what? If she found out I was not living up to the standard she had inherited from her mother. I see. So you felt you needed to meet certain standards so that she met certain standards. Right. Yeah. Isn't it incredible what parents... uh, you know, what kind of impact parenting can have on generation, down to generation, down to generation? Oh, yes. So it, it, so the, the transition was really uh, life-changing for you, obviously. Um, but nonetheless, about a year ago, some of those same depression issues came back. And how have you been trying to treat those? Well, as I say, I've got another psychologist in Memphis now, and I'm working with her. So let's talk about the transition itself and the church's response to that. Okay. Well, before I uh, fully transitioned, I was taking the hormones, but had not come out. I went to see my bishop uh, in Arkansas. And he was, Bishop Benfield was receptive and sympathetic uh, because when he had been a priest in, in churches, he had encountered two transgender people uh, who now lived in California. Uh, so he was sympathetic. Um, and I'm on the supply list in two dioceses. Uh, Arkansas and West Tennessee um, so that when a priest has to be absent from the congregation when he's on vacation or something I'm on the list that that they can call Um, but I've not had much there's only one uh, occasion when I got a call from a priest to substitute for him that was post-transition. Yes. Previously, it was happening more regularly. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Previously, I had my own churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was priest in charge in St. Stephen's in Blyville. So, bottom line, the bishop was open to it. Yes. But am I correct in assuming that you felt others were not because you weren't getting the phone calls? That's correct. Uh-huh. And was there ever any conversation between you and other priests or hierarchy about this transition? One or two other priests. And uh, the Bishop of West Tennessee has been a good friend. Uh, I'm not in his diocese, so uh, he's not under any pressure about me. Um, what about the others, though? I mean, was there love and acceptance, or was there judgment? I think there was a little bit of both. Of course, one of the reasons uh, I'm probably not being called is, uh, you know, I had... I've had other women priests tell me that um, they prefer more attractive women. Okay. Well, you know, priests themselves are supposed to provide counseling to people, right? It happens. Yeah, people seek them out for counseling. So when it comes to the issue of transgender, I guess my first question is, is there any training for priests as to how to deal with someone who comes to them with gender dysphoria? I'm afraid there's not. Um, I hope there will be, since in this last convention, uh, they voted to um, recognize transgender priests, that that being transgender is not a barrier to ordination anymore. That's a general convention. And that's in the Episcopalian Church? Yes. Uh But what is gender dysphoria to the Episcopalian Church? I don't think there have been any statements about it. Um, Yeah, it's interesting that it's the religious groups that are some of the most adamant out there in kind of combating the LGBT activists on a host of issues. Um, So so the organized religion seems to be concerned that, um, you know, they they don't agree with the LGBT community that you're you're born this way, that this was God's will, etc. And uh, they're afraid that perhaps children are being steered in the wrong direction. Yeah, that that coincides with the Pope's statement uh, that he made a couple of years ago. And, and remind me, what was that? That um, they did not recognize um, a child's right to, quote, choose their gender. And, of course, they're not choosing their gender they're the only ones who can tell you what their gender is. Yeah. 
Well, it's a huge controversy when it comes to children. That's something that we've really been looking at. That's where all of my concern comes in is when we're talking about children and how children should be dealt with because gender dysphoria, they say that supposedly 90% grow out of their gender dysphoria. So what you should do with the five-year-old who is the five-year-old boy who's having these girl feelings, should those girl feelings be affirmed by the parents? Should the parents do nothing about that and just kind of wait and see? Or should the parents see what they can do to try and affirm the biological gender? They should take them to a gender therapist who uh, has experience working with children. Yeah, now you get into, okay, what are the gender therapists being taught? Because these organizations, which LGBT activists are, you know, influential in, seems to be steering these therapists toward what they call gender-affirming therapy. And gender-affirming therapy means affirming the gender that is in the child's head, not necessarily what the biological gender. So is that the proper approach for these therapists um if they judge that um, that that's appropriate yes um i think all of us hope that there will be a day when um transgender issues can be treated in children and so they can have the proper puberty yeah, how about looking at it this way? Gender dysphoria is something that needs to be treated. Yes. As far as what the proper treatment is, I believe the jury is still out on what the proper treatment is for it, especially when we're talking about a five-year-old. Uh, you know, Maybe it's affirming the gender that's in the child's head. Maybe it's affirming the gender that is the biological gender, but I don't think that they've really come to a good conclusion on what the um, right thing to affirm is. I think it probably depends on the individual child. Yeah, but, you know, and we don't need to go all the way down this rat hole of what that is because this is a long discussion about, about children. But, you know, I think therein lies the issue. What, if you're a therapist, what is it? that would cause you to say we should affirm the the gender in the head versus the biological gender. You know, what are the unique circumstances that would point you in one direction or the other? As you look back on your own childhood, is it something that you look back on and think, gee, I wish I could have lived my life as a girl from, from a, from a child? Um, Yes. Because all those years of torture in your head would not have existed. Right. But by the same token, if it turns out there is some type of uh, psychological therapy that can be done to help affirm your biological gender, that I assume that would have been cool with you too. <laughs> One way or the other, you wanted this gender dysphoria resolved. Yes. Right. Whether it resolves as you now switching to a girl or maintaining as a boy, you just want the dysphoria to go away. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so that's where I think science needs to, to go. We, we need to find the right remedy for gender dysphoria, because even though it's not called a disorder anymore, it's still something that requires treatment and is not something that is fun to live with. 
No, it's not fun to live with. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, 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 and some cases suicide. Right. So going back to the response of the church, did you um, ultimately leave a church? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In, enjoying this new church? Am I right about that after your transition? Um, I'm still an Episcopal priest in two dioceses, and, um, it's, um, I'm sticking with it. Um, I've met a firming priest. I haven't met one that gave me a hard time, so, um. Yeah, and I've counseled with uh, with priests of the church that I've been attending. Have you, since your transition, had the ability to counsel any other people struggling with gender dysphoria? Yes. And is that other other priests? Uh, no, they're mostly lay people. One has desired to become a priest, but. Uh, so as a result of your ministry, people are now coming forward to you? Yes. And, and tell me, has that been something that's been one of the more fulfilling parts of this? Yes, it is. Anytime I can help somebody, it uh, feels good. And what kind of numbers are we talking about? Uh I'm dealing with one transgender person now, and uh, I'm uh, working on a program to educate people in the church about what it means to be transgender. And is that someone who is considering transitioning? Yes. So in in general, could you describe the, the counseling that you provide to this person or to others? Um, well, um, I try to assess the level of depression they're going through, uh, if they have depression, and the, the gender dysphoria they're going through, and try and help them through by using the answers I've found. What about, is childhood trauma something that you try to look into to see if there was any any trauma? I certainly ask about that. Mm-hmm. Are, how are we doing on time? Was that Reed waving? Or... Uh, yeah, no. Um, I only wave because uh, I am that person. And so I, but no, I think that we're fine on time. Um, I think that we're perfectly fine on time. So please keep going. Um, I'm here if you need me. But, oh, uh, oh, but but you, you wave because you're that you're that person that sh- she's counseling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
okay. So, uh, um, yeah. I, and I, I don't want to get involved in y'all's conversation. Um, but yeah, I'm like, uh, I am trans. I'm currently six months in the HRT. I'm looking to become a priest someday after divinity school. Um, so I look to mother Jillian as an inspiration to me, right? Because she's already kind of walked the path that I'm going and am walking right now. Wow. Uh, so that's why, that's also why I'm very excited about this opportunity, right? Because anytime I get to share mother Jillian's story is an opportunity, is an opportunity to share the story that I am very passionate about. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being open about that. I had no idea. And that definitely adds an interesting dimension, uh, to, to the conversation. So b- bottom line, Reed, you, you are in the process of transitioning. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm currently six months in and uh, it's funny because I mean, I don't like, because I have a lot of experience speaking. I did public speaking uh, when I was an undergrad, I competed in mock trial. So I have a very strong male speaking voice. Um, it's funny because I'm going to be going to uh, voice therapy after this, but you know, I'll work on that and that's something that will come with time. But yeah, right now I'm in the process and, uh, you know, I'm very happy with where I'm at because I'm in a community with someone like Mother Jillian who is able to kind of be this trailblazer to set the standard that I can try and live up to, right? What, what um, about, I'm just curious if you don't mind me asking, you know, these questions I'm asking about uh, childhood traumas. Is that something that you think resonates with you as, as part of your childhood? Uh, I wouldn't say as much. I had a very interesting family dynamic because um, my mother, she did have problems drinking when she was younger. I will be completely upfront about that. And I think that she's upfront about it as well. Um, but I, I'm not sure if that necessarily impacted this particular issue. Right. Um, I've all, and I've thought on that a lot. I've prayed on that a lot. And trust me, I've been asked about that a lot in therapy. So I've definitely visited this issue, but no, I had a very loving father who really loved me more than I thought he would because he's not my biological father. Um, he and my mother, um, married when I was one. Right. And he's been absolutely wonderful throughout my entire life. And, you know, I've had some conversation with him and he's aware that I am trans and he's open and welcoming to me. And my mother is too. Uh, she's a very, she's a very interesting person. Definitely wears the pants in my household. Hmm. Um, or my parents' household, but yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, at least from my perspective, plays as much of a role in um, me being trans, right? I feel like that's just more of an uh, innate uh, trait of my person, right? Just something that is and always has been and always will be. What about? Do you agree with uh, Jillian's statement that you know the dysphoria is something that you want to get resolved one way or the other? And that it really doesn't matter which way it gets resolved. You just want it resolved? Well, I mean, yes. uh, But I do want to make sure because I tried doing everything I could to resolve it. And I think I did something very similar to Mother Jillian, right? You know, I went through the life. I did everything I thought I should. Like when I was an undergrad, I was actually engaged for a while. I was top of my class at Rhodes College. I was competing nationally in mock trial. I even modeled a little bit. Like I had what would be a great life. And I was still unhappy. Right. Um, so I resonate a lot with what another Jillian said in that I felt like I needed a change and that this was the change. Mm-hmm. And now dysphoria is like it's a little bit every day, but it is so much better now. Like I wake up and I'm happy. And that wasn't the way it was before. Because, you know, you're now on the path to to resolving it once and for all. Exactly. Right. But, yeah, you know, your, your story is, is, is similar and 
going back to Sabrina again, it's a really great interview if you get a chance to listen to uh, Sabrina's story. But, yeah, she tried everything to suppress those feelings and yeah. and and be as manly as possible, perhaps, to, to really put down those those feelings. And yeah, none I of heard it worked. You were in a fraternity. I actually was as well um, for a little while. So I completely, yeah, I resonate with that. Um, and I was, a lot of people would look at me and say, I was like the epitome of masculinity. You know, I was even like in my hometown, the high school football hero, you know, um, like I went and I did all that, but it always, this was always, always there. Um, and that's a sin that I have to bear because I got to deal with my, you know, with my relationships in the past, I have to come to terms with them. Um, but it's something that has to be done because I don't want to go my entire life and have my parents die and not have them know who I am. Let me ask like a crazy, hypothetical, simplistic question, and that is if you could snap your fingers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And instantly have the dysphoria resolved, and now it's gone. But you're going to live now as a trans woman, or you're going to live in your biological sex. Which would you choose? Trans woman. Instantly. Because, and I'll tell you why. Yes, this has been hard on me, and yes, it's made my life very difficult for me personally, but it has also had probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest effect on creating the person that I am today. And I'm very proud of the person I am today, just like I am proud of Mother Jillian, because she is a wonderful person, and we're both doing wonderful work here in Memphis. And I'm not sure if I didn't have this burden to bear that I would have gotten to this point. Mm. Um, in one of Paul's letters, even, because I've been reading a lot of scripture on this, there is a passage where he talks about the afflictions that we have and how we are given them by God to make us stronger and to prepare the ministry of God on this earth. And that's what I like to live and believe, that God made me this way so that I could be a better person and so I could help others in the same situation. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting perspective. And look, it's it's all about happiness at the end of the day, right? I mean, without happiness, what is life? So, exactly. So, and I think we're both pretty happy right now. What do you think, Mother Jillian? I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then back to the uh, the the therapy because again, I'm I'm going to go to it because we did interview you know a couple people about this that that really believe in this therapy uh, resolving childhood traumas um you know that's not something it sounds like that you've necessarily tried but it's also not something that you necessarily feel that you want to go through you're you're happy on the course that you're on now um me speaking personally yes yeah no i feel like i am and again like so that didn't really exist as much, or maybe it did and I wasn't aware of it, but I grew up in a, in a small town in Ohio, right, where the thought process was for me as a kid growing up, because like this was, this was always there, 
I didn't have a name for it. I mean, like I was a kid. I didn't, I couldn't put a name on it like I could now, but it was always there. But I knew, right? Because I wasn't a popular kid. I was real awkward. I mean, dealing with this, you can imagine me being awkward. Um, and I was bullied a lot for it. And so I knew that if this ever got the light of day to anyone in my hometown, that it would be the death of me, you know? And so to me, it was literally life or death. And so, no, I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. My mother knew a little bit, right? Because she was able to, you know, I live with her. She was able to glean some things from living with me. And she's told me that over the years, right? But that has never left between us um, for as long as I was in my hometown. And to some extent today, it still hasn't. And I'm still working on that. It's easier now that I am away from there. Um, but to answer your question again, um, no, I don't think that I would have wanted to go through that kind of therapy because it wouldn't have helped me when I was younger. And really, I've always known who I am. Um, it was just a matter of me kind of getting up the courage to act on that. Mm-hmm. But you have a therapist now. I do have a therapist now. And I have great people in my life to help me. I have a great support system here at Constance Abbey, Mother Jillian being at the center of it all. Um, and it's so helpful to have that support system, but they support me in being who I am, right? I know exactly what I want to do with my life. And I have mother Jillian here to support me in what I want to do with my life. And you, you don't sound nervous at all about the impending surgery. No, I'm excited. It's all, it's all, it's a, (laughs) it's a fun adventure, you know? That's the way you got to look at it. You got to be positive about this. I mean, if everything was gloom and doom, then I might as well have not transitioned and stayed in depression, right? Like, this is supposed to be happy. Yeah. Mother Jillian, hearing this, I mean, you probably, in the the days when you were Reed's age, totally different times as far as the issue of transgenderism. I mean, describe for us the difference between when you were his age and, 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 and now? Of course, the only transgender person I knew of back there was Christine Jorgens. Who was? Uh, the former George Jorgensen uh, of the Marine Corps. And do you remember learning about that and having a certain reaction to it? Yes. Which was? Uh, that may be where I have to go. But if the climate were as it is today, you think you would have done things differently? Yes, I probably would have transitioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And saved yourself some suffering. Yes. Reed, uh, what about you? Do, do you deal with depression i mean yes um i dealt with it in a very different way i think uh just because i was always depressed but i really looked to the people around me and i resonate with what mother jillian said earlier because i because i wasn't focused on making myself happy right and i mean i really like because if i knew if i wanted to make myself happy that would mean transitioning and that wasn't an option on the table when i was younger so what I did was I focused on making other people happy, right? I tried to be the best student, the best leader, the best 
you know, football player, this, that, and the other. Um, but I mean, so for as far as making other people happy, I, right now I'm trying to have a change in mindset. Uh, and it's hard, right? Because I've been focused on trying to make other people happy for my entire life. But I came to the conclusion that if you keep doing that, then you can make the entire world happy. But if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, then it doesn't matter. You know, and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And how old are you now? I am 22. That's an interesting age because uh, I told you we just interviewed Sophia Hutchins yesterday. She's 22. Really? Uh, yep. But she transitioned uh, approximately two years ago. Yeah. And I mean, like, unfortunately, you go on Reddit and you see all these people who are able to do it at like 16 years old and whatnot. And that kind of goes back to the debate, like how young should you be allowed to do it at and this, that and the other. Um, and that's, of course, is still evolving a debate. But yeah, I, I waited until I felt like was a, a time in my life where I could be comfortable enough doing it. Right. Because even when I was at school, um, I was competing in mock trial for four years at Rhodes College. And I don't know if you know about that, but their, their mock trial team is great. Like, we went to nationals this year. And unfortunately, because of how competitive it is, I you have to develop a certain character about yourself, a presence. And I had a very good speaking presence for a man. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. And I knew if I wanted to transition the female, then I couldn't compete in that way. Right. So I had to put that off. Um, and that's just the condition I had to deal with. I'm glad I'm getting to it now, but I, I, I couldn't make it work with the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Sophia, first of all, she has a very similar background to you. She was a big time into debate. It was Scott Hutchins at the time, but big time into debate in high school and then was a class president at Pepperdine. Um, oh. and then left after her, or during her junior year, his junior year, to transition. Um, and But she describes the transition as being extremely smooth, like she's very blessed that she has such a smooth transition, but it may turn out that the timing of yours might actually be wise. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that, and this is what kind of affirms me in my faith, because really when I was looking into transitioning my senior year, and that's when I was really sitting down, and figuring it out if I wanted to do it. I didn't have, like, my plan was originally just to go into law school, right? Law school, divinity school, and then, boom, become a priest. Um, or, like, a joint JD and Div program. Like, there are some schools that offer that. But, uh, but then I found St. Mary's Episcopal Cathedral. You know, I was exploring my faith, kind of figuring out everything. It wasn't really anything specific that brought me there, just that I wanted to explore the Episcopal faith. And then I meet a crazy guy over there named Roger Woolcott, and he goes up to me and says, Hi, have you heard about this place called Constance Abbey? And I say, No. And then I come over here and I see that guy sign outside, and that says, Everyone is welcome. Every size, every race, every gender, every religion, everybody. 
And I believe that God put me here because I needed that kind of space in order to develop into the person that I want to be, right? Even in that first conversation with Roger, he told me, hey, you know, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but we have a transgender priest. And I had to look at him and say, you don't say, (laughs) please tell me more, right? And like, where else? Because I didn't understand how rare it was for Mother Jillian uh, to be, or how, how crazy of a coincidence it was for us to be able to meet this way. Of course, I wouldn't say it's a coincidence. I would say that was God's will. Um, and I'm blessed for that every day. Jillian, what has it meant to you to be able to counsel Reed? Reed is a great person with obviously more tech savvy than I have um, to set this up for me. And uh, he's just a, a great person. And he does an important work here at the Abbey. And... Uh, faithful Episcopalian. Well, God bless you both. I thank you guys so much for your time. Incredible story. Reed, thank you for sharing that. Wasn't expecting that, but uh, really, really valuable to to hear your story also. Yeah, no problem. I'm sorry. I I didn't want to take away any spotlight from other Jillian. I just, uh, but yeah, I really, I really am appreciative of the opportunity to be able to have this uh, interview with you and, yeah, to be able to spread her story. Yeah. Nope. It's perfect. I'm glad that you uh, waved your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Enjoy your Monday. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you're all were as surprised as I was to learn about Reed, and I thought it was really fascinating to be able to talk to someone who is going through the process, was incredible how excited he was about going through the process. Uh, we will check in with Reed, I promise you, and perhaps have him back on the show. Even though we're wrapping transgender movement, just like we wrapped the Las Vegas shooting, it's a subject that we're going to remain interested in, and we'll continue to have guests on the show as conditions warrant. Uh, We do expect to be doing a Las Vegas shooting episode soon when we get the FBI report. And we look forward to starting our investigation into AA very soon. Don't forget to tune in next week for my final thoughts on transgender movement. I'm Jim Bressler. Thank you for listening to The Hidden Truth Show. Find us at hiddentruthshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hidden Truth Show. Watch our YouTube channel, Hidden Truth Show. Subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Join us again next week for another episode of Hidden Truth, Transgender Movement. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.